This is Amita Switlow. I'm the outreach officer for QSO VSO. And I'm sitting here again, sitting here at a table at this wonderful farm called Duck Creek Farm, an organic farm. Right. Until uh, Spring Island. And I've got this guy sitting with me that happens to be one of the founding COV volunteers sent out to the field in 1961. And his name is John Wilcox. Welcome, John. Thank you, Amita. You helped, you helped, you and your, your group, the gang, the clan of 16, really made a huge difference. And today, we can look back and say 12,000 volunteers were sent into the field. But I want to reach back to those days, and I want to know uh, something about, tell me about the history, what were you doing there? I heard a few rumors about that, so I want to hear more. Mm -hmm. Well, I had graduated from what you could call farmer school, a diploma school in agriculture, from Ridgetown, Ontario, and I'm from a sixth generation family farm down that way, a place called Woodsley. And when I got out of school, I wanted to see a bit of the world and I wanted to do some work in foreign countries and uh, I was just nosing around and I stumbled across it. When I was traveling, I was traveling east to go to Montreal to see if I could get on a ship to get out and do something like do soil tests in the Sahara or whatever I was going to do. <laughs> soil tests in the Sahara, and I love then, that. <laughs> and I just, a doorman at, a, at a, one of the office buildings in Ottawa, an external affairs building or something, he had I told him what I was trying to do, get in connection with people that worked in international affairs. So he sent me to meet a man, I think his name was Hudson, and I, I talked with him about my aspirations to go and work in a foreign land. And He said, you should get in touch. They're starting a program down at the U of T, a guy named Keith Spicer. You should go down there and talk to him. Maybe you could fit into the program. And he described this program that was based on a book by D.K. Ferris and called To Plow With Hope. And this sounded perfect to me that if I could, you know, it was, we'd heard discussions about the Peace Corps, but the Peace Corps didn't exist yet with Kennedy. And this sounded just perfect for me. I didn't want to go to war or join an institutional warfare game of any kind. I wanted to, my dad and my uncle had died in the war, so I was interested in trying to work for peace peace without guns and so I went back to Toronto and I talked to Spicer down on Bloor Street or somewhere and Fred Stinson's office Fred Stinson was a member of Parliament that was kind of helping head up oh okay what Keith was doing Keith was a grad student at U of T at the time and he described what they were doing and I thought this is perfect I've got to go and he said well you're too late we've already selected everybody for this year so we can't take you. Well, I said, it costs $2,000 each, and we've raised all the funds. Well, I said, what if I raise my own funds? Oh, he kind of thought that was impossible. So he said, sure, if you raise your own funds, we maybe we can take you this year. So Okay, how old were you? 19. <laughs> yeah. And so I went home, and I put on my tie and my suit, and sort of wore out a pair of shoes going around two counties trying to get money together to go to India. Or I didn't know where I was going, but going to Asia to work in 
what you might call rural development, I guess, is what they were saying. They said, oh, you'd be great because you're an Aggie. We don't have any Aggies. And, you know, farmers got nurses and a doctor and, uh, you know, an engineer and and uh, generalists, BA generalists that are going to teach English or something. I don't know. So I managed to raise, I had 16 sponsors by the time I got finished. And, and I had only raised about, not quite... Not quite at 2,000. Do you know some of the names of the people that helped you? Well, I had the International Order of the Daughters of the Empire, IODE women, and um, the uh, Soybean Board, and the Corn Board, and Heinz Canada, and Massey Ferguson, and all these, you know, a few hundred bucks here, a few hundred dollars there. Um, it's kind of interesting. I'd have to look into my... Hmm. I kept all the stuff I did back then in a box. Oh, I want that box. <laughs> and, and, and it's quite interesting. I read some of it last winter. But when you, you know, talked about the amalgamation of Cuso and Viasola, yes. I went through that thing. I just couldn't believe what's in there. It's amazing. Oh, but, go, can we have some of know? that stuff? <laughs> and so, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> You'll have to excerpt some of the profanity. That oh, you know. that's okay. <laughs> In the journals, because I ended up with culture shock eventually. But, uh. but the thing is, I went to Toronto and they said, "Okay, you've done well enough. We can take you." you know? And I didn't know where I was going, so I had to move to Toronto and work while we were doing an orientation course there. And I got posted to Sarawak in Borneo, and I started to learn Malay. And then um, two of the other members of the group decided to get married so I got shifted over to India so and we just shortly before I left I hadn't really so I started studying Hindi right uh-huh this was the first year and we didn't know what we were doing oh by the way that was Helen and and Clan Clan that got married yeah. so because of their marriage I ended you up in ended India. up in India oh, yeah. I became <laughs> part of the enlightened world all right all right <laughs> the centuries of uh, wisdom and, and yeah. culture, you know, that just blew me away. So you were studying Hindi? Yeah, I was studying Hindi, and then, of course, we didn't know where we were being posted until after we got there. In Delhi, we spent two weeks in an orientation course. We went over there by way of Arcadia, the P&O uh, ship. We left south. We flew to London, went yeah. to Southampton, caught the ship, spent 14 days and I ended up in Bombay, and then flew to Delhi. Oh, by ship. Flew oh. to Delhi, and and we became totally. We were very welcome in Delhi by the people in the administration and the people that were carrying out work with the Gandhian program still. And we were honored. Like, Before you guys just stop, stop. Before everybody misses that, that was the Gandhian program, yes, right? Yeah. Just in case Gandhi. people didn't get yes. that. <laughs> well, it was very alive. Actually. It was, oh, yeah. yeah. This is 1961. Yeah. Who, who's in power in India at this time? Well, Nehru. Nehru is in power. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, Nehru. And, yeah. and Radhakrishna is the president. Okay. And we had the honor of meeting them because we were doing this program. So I had the honor of shaking hands with Nehru, but we had tea with Radhakrishna. 
in a palace. I mean, it was just glorious. It was unbelievable. <laughs> here's this, the boy from Ontario. Well, here's this Huck Finn character from southern Ontario who doesn't know what anything is. And he's all of a sudden sitting in this palatial palace with the president of a country. And it was amazing. And I always felt a bit inferior because, I mean, I was the youngest one in the group and the guy that didn't have a degree, I had a diploma. And these other folks that were four or five years older than me, they were all much wiser than I was, you know. And it was so beautiful because I kind of felt a little bit humble all the time. And then Radhakrishna asked, has anyone here read Hawaii? Well, I was the only guy that had read Hawaii, the book, Michener's book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, what you're doing is like working to try and create a situation that is similar to what exists in Hawaii, where all these cultures come together on this island, and they all get along together on the little island. A pluralistic society. You know, yeah. And he said, that's what, so I, here I was, the only guy that ended up in a conversation with the president. <laughs> The young punk that doesn't... At 19! Yeah. This just amazes yeah. me! <laughs> so you're there, you, you go to this, they receive you, and then you're uh, heading off to a project. So yeah. where did they get send you? Well, I was sent into uh, West Bengal. West Bengal. And I was told, you get on this train and go to Calcutta. When you get off at Howard Station, Mr. Chowdhury will meet you. Mr. Chowdhury was head of the project I was going to work for. Okay, Mr. Chowdhury. And so I think, how is Mr. Chowdhury going to meet me in Calcutta? I don't know him. He doesn't know me. And I got off the train in the Howrah station, and and they picked, figured it out. Of course, that's me, because, I mean, there's hardly any other Europeans. This is 1961, <laughs> you know, and I'm just under six feet tall, so I'm one of the tallest people in the group, in the crowd. It didn't take them five minutes to figure out that it was me. Well, can I ask a really silly question? What are you wearing at this time? Like... Well, probably what I'm wearing now. Kind of Just something totally relaxed. Cool shirt and shorts and sandals and... Not a suit or anything no, no, like that? No, no. Okay. Or anything Indian? No, not yet. Not yet. I think that's to come, though, yeah. in this story. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so, so I, I get taken to the village of Kirpai, which is 100 miles out of Calcutta, by train and by, like, bus and by ferry boat and by jeep and then by cart, I think. Like, I mean, you had to go about seven different conveyances to get there into a village that was primarily all, you know, typical Bengali village with thatch roof, mud huts, and uh, I was put up in the special building, the orphanage, upstairs in the orphanage there was a room, and it was the only building with a tile roof, so they'd given me the best place to be, and they were so respectful of me and honored me, and I would go for a walk, they'd carry an umbrella over my head. I mean, it was just bizarre, you know? Wouldn't let me get my own pail of water. You I must have been blown that. away. Oh, yeah. And then <laughs> I got a bicycle. Mr. Chowdhury says to me, well, I was going to work and try and do a poultry project there. Okay. And he said, like, a deep litter poultry method that had been developed for the that part of the world by an Australian. 
which was a very sensible thing. But at the time, it was a Gandhian project in the middle of the village of 5,000 people or so, and it was took me a little while to realize it didn't really extend beyond the, the nucleus of this project. It wasn't getting out into the village. Oh, okay. But, and so I couldn't get too much done. But anyway, at the first, Mr. Chowdhury says, here's a bicycle. He says, I want you to ride around the countryside and observe. Just observe. You know, learn. Which is what I did. And then, after a while, I began to feel that I wasn't really able to get on with this project because it seemed that the, 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 the project itself was a very insular thing. Like Gandhi hadn't, you know, this is 12 years after Gandhi's um, assassination and, and so he wasn't alive to steward these village projects along and I think that many of them went astray and became little nucleuses and people were not doing what they should with them. So. I was having difficulty and I think, well, it was kind of an interesting experience because ten of us went to India and five of the ten, like the two nurses, the doctor, the engineer and myself, who are the pretty much practical and applied people, were essentially unemployed. And the people who were mostly employed were the people that could help teach English yeah. in a school or do something history, else. History, British yeah, yeah. history and, and stuff. And this was when it first started, so we, we were just getting off the mark and weren't very good at doing what we had intended to do. And so we got together, I went looking, well I got sick, right, after three months I got deathly ill with glandular fever and tonsillitis and amoebic dysentery all at the same time and I'm pretty sure I had malaria, but it's the kind that they couldn't detect in those days. Huh. And so I went to Calcutta, I was delirious, I had a temperature of 104, I lost 20 pounds in three days, and I woke up one morning when the, the diploma medicine person was pouring cold water over my head onto a banana leaf and giving me special pills and I'm under this mosquito netting, and he said, I felt like I was in some movie somewhere, it was just bizarre, you know, and I thought, well, I, I think I'm going to die, I think I'll go and die in Calcutta. So I was delirious, but I made it to Calcutta. <laughs> and I looked up a fellow that was, I'd had a reference to him. If I had to meet somebody in Calcutta, connect up with this fellow. And he was a missionary who worked there, not to try and proselytize about the mission, but that was the way that he could do the kind of work he wanted to do. Uh-huh. And so he put me in the hospital. He got me into the hospital, and I was there for a week convalescing. And then I spent another week couple of months, more or less in Calcutta, convalescing, like in, a, in a, a hostel, meeting people, enjoying the city, and understanding more about India. It was the time that, same time that there was an election and Goa was going to be liberated and all kinds of strange oh, okay, things yeah. were happening. And I could see on the ground what the true story was and read in the media what was being pummeled around the world as the truth, which was just a fabrication. Totally uh, different story. Oh yeah. But anyway, what we did was we ended up getting together in Gandhi's village in Sevagram and built a water tower, a group of us, partway through our stay. 
And then we all got together in Bombay for a reunion halfway through our time. And the people from Sri Lanka came up, Ceylon it was called then, and we had this, on Juhu Beach, we had a reunion in a cottage, a cat, like a very nice home on the beach there in Bombay and discussed what we had learned so far and what can we do to make sure this program keeps going. And it was my, actually it was, I was still feeling kind of like the young person. <laughs> But I thought, the only way we're going to make this work is to send one of us home to show people what's needed. Oh, okay. Right? And I talked to Bill McQuinney. Yeah. Who was our primary fundraiser back home originally and who was working in the bank in Sri Lanka then. And when this suggestion... I said, Bill, you've got to give them this suggestion because, I mean, I'm not going to get anywhere giving them a suggestion. I still felt kind of as if I wouldn't make the point that Bill could make. So he suggested that we do this. And lo and behold, he became the person they asked to come home. Oh, okay. That's w I've been wondering who Bill McQuinney is and what was he doing back again. Okay. Yeah. Now I well, know. somebody had to come home because I don't think Keith was able to follow through a whole bunch. Ozzy Schmidt was very involved with keeping things going. And of course I was busy back in, before I, I got to this reunion, making waves about the American press and how poorly they were representing the true India and how they'd interviewed, like how they were comparing John F. Kennedy and, and Nehru. And saying like, you know, Kennedy was a doer and Nehru was a thinker, and all kinds of absurd and insulting kinds of commentary in the in the Western press about about the you know really sophisticated people of you know really important people in India, and I mean the world reading this stuff used to really used to grind me to get to have to read this crap. <laughs> so I wrote a letter to John Kennedy. You did. And then I got two so people on my back. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so, but the funny thing was, it was like a letter that was like something akin to what Noam Chomsky would have yeah. been concerned about. Yeah. The improper use of the media. Which is critical. This infotainment instead of information. You know? So I'm just going to take a moment and go back in time for a second. And then we're going to just pause and recon and continue this interview in a moment. Okay. So we're 1961, you're 19, you've ended up in Ken in uh, India and you have met the prime minister, the president prime minister, sorry, and the of, president. And the president. You have uh, now finished, you've gotten deathly ill. Uh, you're half term now and you're having a reunion with your group of 16. So we'll come back yeah, they weren't all there because Clint and Helen couldn't make it over. Oh, okay. But uh, there were 14 of 14 you there. 14 of us. All right, we'll come back in a moment. <laughs> 